Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Well, hello, everybody. We're going to iron out eventually after four years, one day, we'll figure out how to start a podcast and <laughs> have it be super smooth. Um, <laughs> So this morning, uh, Mel and I got into a conversation. We've basically just decided to kind of go rogue and see where it takes us. We're both of us are going to an event tonight. So this will obviously our post will be after this event occurs, but right now it's before this event occurs. And, uh, we're just discussing some of your feelings around it. Mel, do you want to kind of get into the backstory or your, what you're feeling today? Yeah. Um, So I was just sharing with Tanya that even though I host women's uh, containers and women's gatherings a lot, it doesn't alleviate any of the anxiety. Um, It's almost probably perpetuates the anxiety of going to someone else's gatherings and not having control or being able to see the guest list or kind of knowing what vibe it's going to be. I have limited information. And I think that I was just thinking about this, Tanya, after I talk to you and then we had that pause and the awkward introduction is (laughs) that uh, I wonder if it is that I was born with so many planets in retrograde but this goes all the way back to school where I would be the only one or it felt like that because you know narcissism as little people you just only notice yourself but even in school Uh, I would be the one without the right uh, school supplies or it would be a field trip day and I didn't pack a lunch. My mom often sent me with money and there were so many times where I felt ill-prepared or underprepared and I'm pretty sure that stuck in my cellular memory and um, I'm magnetizing it to me all the time. So going to this circle... Uh, it's with Diane Doyle Lynch. And I've been to um, her gatherings before. And so it's not anything to do with the facilitator. She creates such a loving and um, welcoming space to gather. But this time, um, I usually go as me. <laughs> and this time, um, it's for Salwin. So we're dressing up and um, being more creative with ourselves and I'm over the moon about it. I'm really, really excited. I've asked a local lady to um, do my face, like do my makeup for my face. And when I secured it, I'm so excited. I'm like, oh, like there's this really cool watercolor kind of uh, idea that we have going on. And then as they sink into it, it's like, oh my God, you're going to be rejected. Oh my God, you're going to be the only one. You're going to feel like an outcast. And it, it's just like watching all of these things bubble up from the underworld, um, which also happened to me in other, um, like even in the priestess path that I was initiated into, it felt like every time I would share something very personal, very, very vulnerable, I was met with very surface shares around. And then I, I go into like, and I've, I've actually been told this, this is a wound, is that I always go too deep or why do you always have to go so deep? And so if you saw my post yesterday, this that was why it was coming up is that there's, I've been judged for that before. And then I've met surface with that after and it doesn't feel good. Um, but maybe that is what I'm like, I don't know. I know everything happens for a reason, but I'm like, why, (laughs) why can't I ever just feel like it's exactly the way that I want it to be received. And that might be being a little bit of a selfish person or, um, acting like I need to control it, but it does feel like every time I go out on the limb that the limb ends up breaking and I end up falling. So that's kind of like what we're working through. And even though, I have a lot of conscious awareness is that if I do show up, it's going to be rad. I plan to make like a reel out of it naturally. (laughs) There will definitely be things that um, benefit my business from it, but I also plan to fully be there. And if I am weird, maybe that's my path. Maybe I just need to accept it and, and to revel in it. And, And if anyone else were to show up doing what I'm doing and I'm, almost certain that I will not be the only one. Um, but if, if someone else was the only one, I would sit back in awe of them. 
I would be like, man, I wish I was them. But then the undulations <laughs> in the ocean say no. <laughs> so that's kind of what we're working through today is pre-women's gathering anxieties. And I have the uh, pleasure and honor of being able to be facilitator and guest And I got to tell you, it's much more easier being the facilitator (laughs) when I can control everything and see who's coming and what times and all of that. And so this is big work for me, showing up as um, receiver. Well, good on you for putting yourself in in a vulnerable position just to, I don't know, stand with you. And I've also gotten the too deep Oh my God. Okay. So last night I was at a show, like I was performing at a venue and it it was local. So I knew a number of the guests there, but these are not like, like my besties. These are, um, (laughs) these are people who I, I know, but not like my close network of friends. And I was talking to this one couple and I just got this instant, like, instant insecurity for overshare. I was like, I said way too much. I went way too far. Like, I'm like, God damn it, Tanya, figure out how to small talk. Like I, cause I, I think I ended up being like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And started talking. And then it ended like when I got into overshare panic, I was like, I was like, yeah, well, well, you know, my ex was abusive and this, and I was like, oh, good Lord. This is not, (laughs) this is not how to people. And so, um, and then I also know the the injury of like sharing something really deep and having them come back with something more superficial. And then kind of like, you feel like you, you know, put all your clothes, like you're standing there naked and then they kind of like took off a bracelet and you're like, you know, it just doesn't feel quite the same. Um, so I guess like maybe this is me looking for some, you know, personal redemption, but I kind of go, you know, like good for us though. Like, good for us to be brave enough to stand naked in certain um, contexts where it not only, you know, makes us uncomfortable, it obviously makes other people uncomfortable too. And maybe that's our role is to, is to make ourselves uncomfortable because uncomfortable, like that's that place where we grow, right? Like we, we know that. And maybe that's our, our role is we decided we were going to come here to earth and, and pioneer everybody's personal development, including our own. So we make ourselves uncomfortable. We make everybody else uncomfortable and then everybody gets a chance to grow a little bit. Um, but I, it doesn't negate the fact that I think it's really brave. Like, I think it's really brave. And I agree with you that I'd see the person like standing in their own, doing their own weird thing, being their weird selves, like putting their freak flag at full mass and being like, good for you. But I struggle to do it as well. Like if I was the only one, I would be like, it would be hard not to shrink. Like it would be hard not to kind of feel like, Oh, like how did I misunderstand this? Or like, how am I? Yeah. And you just feel like alone and kind of isolated. Yeah, I love, so the whole time you were talking, I'm like, yeah, I don't really know a solution. (laughs) So I'm always (laughs) looking for solutions. And what is at the root? And I know I said planets in retrograde, that might not have made sense to people who don't follow astrology. But when Tanya said, I feel like I misunderstand or that I misunderstand, that is the wound, is that I don't read things the same way as other people. And that's happened my whole life. Like a test, if you ask me a question on a test, I'm going to go really deep and really like out there. And then the answer is very surface level. And it was always wrong, but I was like, but it's right. And it was, it was that I think is a deep wound in me is that I feel like I'm on a different communication level than most other people. Uh, I I know that there's other people out there feeling that same way where they constantly misunderstand. But, um, and I I think even for my kids too, they see it through a different lens than than what is uh, typical. And when you do look at the study of um, consciousness is that our experiences shape our lens. And that has a lot to do with how we interpret uh, instruction or um, even just inv- event invites. Get dressed up. 
maybe she just meant clothes, but I'm going full, like I, I opened it up <laughs> and I'm going to um, even have, yeah, the, the whole kit and caboodle. And I'm like, you know, what's sad is the excitement that I felt in planning it. And then the dread that I feel after, and I want to be able to work through that. And I know that even part of me too is like, this is what you do for work. <laughs> but it's different when it's you soothing yourself than me, an outside person, validating and soothing someone else. So that may be the answer is, how do you self-soothe through this? It's, I think, but that's like, I think that's it though. And, and especially if you, like, I've actually, okay, so I've talked about, because I, sorry, continuous thought. I'm very excited. I've, so I've taught this workshop on intuitive development and one of like the paramount uh, like topics that we cover is essentially how to self-validate your intuition. Um, so it's not, I don't negate the importance or, or the value in others confirming your intuition. So say you say something about or to someone and they go, oh my gosh, yes, that's accurate. That feels good. And, and it also, it's live feedback. That's important and that's really cool. But there's so many other experiences that are intuitive experiences that will like kind of self-gaslight, for lack of a better word, or will invalidate it. We'll go, oh no, that was just a oh no, this was just a, and we're just, I feel like there is a societal factor there, especially because we're like, as women, I think we get taught and historically, like, I think that Gen Z is doing a better job of kind of like sorting this out and they'll be in a better position uh, than women in past. But we've been taught that our thoughts, opinions, feelings of are not as valid as they are as like external validation. Like it's more important for me to be, have the approval of my teacher, of my parents, of my elders, of my boss, of my coworkers, than it is for me to stand in my own like, like self-validation. I need to like even, okay, so as a musician, I needed the audience's approval. I needed the venue's approval. I needed a manager or booking or promoter's approval. I needed a label's approval. I needed, I was looking for everyone to tell me I was good at what I did. But did I ever sit there and go like, dude, you're killing it. (laughs) Or, you know, hey, you're really great at this. Or, you know, it just, I... I was just looking for someone to tell me what I was, what I should be doing, what I was good at and that kind of thing. And so I think we kind of default into that program when we're in like a, a smaller space, like when we are feeling small or shrunk, it's, we're going to look like we're going to go into the habit as opposed to the learn, like to me, all this stuff we do with the spiritual introspection and the learning is we are learning new habits. But when we shrink into the small space, it's easy to fall back into the old program of like looking for someone else to come in and soothe or like, you know. And again, I don't think it's wrong. I think we we do collectively soothe. There's the whole thing about co-regulation. Like this is a real deal. And it's okay to like, it's okay for you to call me and be like, Tanya, what are you wearing? <laughs> and what are you like, what are you doing with your makeup or whatever? I, I think that that's okay. And I think it's through co-regulation that we can get that self-soothing muscle stronger. It's sort of like having like a modif- it's a prop in yoga. Okay. So it's like, <laughs> and why we don't, we encourage props in yoga. We're like, Hey, don't hurt your body until your body knows how to do it. Use this prop. That's (laughs) co-regulation. I like that. And it's, um, I want to touch on how I can be that in 75% of my life where I teach that. (laughs) I teach, you don't need external validation. If you get it from a source, that's your validation. That's what, you don't need validation for this. And even having like clients who are like, hey, this doesn't really resonate right now. It never shakes me. I say it will. Like if there's nothing, but when it comes to collective, that's like, I have, uh, if I'm in control, I, I have nothing to grow for there. I have nothing like, well, I shouldn't say that. Please do not expand me. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel really steady there. 
But when it comes to being out of the seat of control is where I feel so unsteady. And yes, you're so right. I even said to myself, you can reach out to uh, Shelly. You can reach out to Tamara. You can ask Tanya. And I know I asked you and you're like something flowy. (laughs) But when I was like going back and forth with is me decorating my face, which I do every, almost every single day. I love makeup. It's a, um, it's where I connect to my intuition in the mornings. Um, it's, it's like my time. And so I decorate myself nearly every day. This is nothing different except for that. It won't look like what I usually do. It's still decoration. And I could have asked you guys what you're doing, but I sat there and suffered with it out of that place is like, you need to, you need to do this. You need to be better. You need to figure your own way out of this. And I think that that's a pretty deep wound in me is that, um, I always feel like I have to hold it all together is that you, you can't reach out and ask for support, which would be why I would shine in containers where I have to hold it all together. But when it comes out of that and it's me being the one that's a participant in that, it's where your wound shows up. I think it could equate to being so successful in your business and really being the person who's the go-to for the answers. And then you have a baby and all of a sudden you know nothing. It can be like a fish out of water sort of experience, but this is an identical experience. I just change seats. And um, I won't stop doing it, but I want to. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Um, just, I don't know, as you're talking of the thing I'm thinking is it's like, yeah, but like you're a Pisces. So you're not even supposed to fit in. Like you're supposed, like everything you're describing, you're like, yeah, when I'm like, you know, the, um, what is it called? The, what are they called of the parades? Oh my gosh. The parades? When you're leading a parade. Oh, the parade marshal? That's the one. So yeah. it's like, you're the parade Kevin marshal. <laughs> you're like, good. There's, like, you know, because you're like, it's everything goes. Um, but if it's somebody else's parade, it's, uh, there's like, yeah, that, that fear of being, I don't know. Like, yeah. But I, I mean, again, I think that that's, um, I, I, I hope I'm not, uh, an, uh, um, invalidating your feelings around it. I just think it's, there's so many, I feel people, that's why, why I was glad you were open to talking about this in the podcast. Cause I was like, I think that this is like not uncommon where we are finding ourselves in certain environments where we don't feel like we're inherently, in like we're not like we're we don't like that we're gonna be the wrong color or that we're gonna be too loud or not loud enough or or actually heaven forbid we blend it <laughs> like it's kind of this paradox right and I just I like I hope you like you know don't feel like isolated in your experience is mo- is mostly what I'm trying to say and I also don't want to make it sound like it's just you know no big deal either because um, my that was the other thing I want to say about, um, I had this banner statement on my door. Actually, it's probably still sitting there. I actually just need to move that whiteboard because I moved my rooms, but, um, I had this whiteboard and on this whiteboard, I have this, this mantra and I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of affirmations. Just, they just don't resonate with me a lot, but this one I found, I was like, there it is. That one clicks. Um, and it, and I still repeat it to myself. So I've had this mantra for probably two years and I still work with it. <laughs> and it's, I am capable of living with the discomfort of being misunderstood. And it's like, for me, so powerful because I can have this tendency into explain, like over explaining and explaining myself. And like, because I'm really methodical in my practices and very, very intentional and very, very thoughtful. So everything I do, there's a reason behind it. Like if, if you, especially, if, especially if you perceive as what I'm doing is weird, there is likely an entire thought process that went into that. And if you were to ask me about it, I could explain to you the why. And I used to, and still do sometimes fall into the habit of explaining my why to someone. And 
I have noticed this is especially not productive when that person didn't ask for the why. (laughs) And especially even more unproductive when that person is determined to misunderstand me. So even if I am explaining why they are not going to hear me uh, because of whatever their limitations are around that. And then I just feel more hurt because I went through all the effort of explaining myself and then they still don't understand me. (laughs) And um, I'm just like practicing not explaining myself. Um, So basically I'm practicing that image you painted early in this conversation, the person, the one person in the room that would be decked out in all this makeup and all this garb and no one else and how we, you know, stand there and admire them for just showing up and they're all their boldness. I feel like me, for like for me, my journey of not explaining myself is this huge practice. Probably for someone, this is not a big deal at all. But for me, guys, this is a big deal. <laughs> is not explaining myself and being okay with being misunderstood and that someone misunderstands me and it's not my responsibility to like, you know, fix or correct or whatever. Also just, I'm not giving you an answer. We don't have an answer. I'm just trying to experience share. Yeah. And I love that. I, and I see you, Tanya, I see you. And that's like, I think that that's what makes us such a, like a beautiful pair and a difficult pair to pair, you know, because we do approach things so differently. And I honestly commend us for being able to still see the validity in either like approach. Cause I don't have any reason for why I do anything. <laughs> back there going, Tell me. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then um, I do. I I think I do have a few things that I want to share about how I have self-soothed through this is um, what is the underlying fear? And for me, it's rejection. And I ask myself every time uh, I'm a chronic watcher of thoughts, I, I take many times throughout the day, especially if I'm feeling you know, you just feel it in your chest when you're overthinking, you can just feel it somewhere in your body. And when you become aware of those sensations, you know that there's something happening in the mental layer. And when that happens to me, and one of the big telltale signs is I don't move. I stop moving. I typically walk every day. I'll throw in um, some movement throughout the day, especially if I'm at my computer. But uh, if if you look at my screen time, for the last two days, kind of since I um, was have been worrying about what what I will look like, my screen time is through the roof. So that means I'm not moving. I, I've stopped completely moving. I'm stuck, and I um, I know that the mind siphons our energy. It, it steals all our energy, and it also steals our connection to source which is where I'm at when I'm worried about this rejection is that I'm in my ego body. Only my ego can be rejected. Spirit knows it's part of everything. So what I've done is acknowledge those sensations that are happening. And if you are going through this too, maybe just kind of note or chart something that you could use as a telltale sign. For me, it's screen time. So I see my screen time up and I'm like, okay, I need to monitor my thoughts. And every time it goes into oh, I should cancel my appointment or I should ask Shelly Tamara or Tanya what they're wearing. I think, what is it that's bothering me? One is rejection or that I'll be uh, humiliated for some reason. And, uh, but that's not true because I'm the only one who can accept humiliation. It, it, there, there's nothing that could happen in this safe circle that could possibly humiliate me. So I am safe under everything. Um, the truth is, is that I'm safe. And so if I start to acknowledge the truth of what is happening, the the mind satiates itself with the truth. Is like almost like what Tanya is doing is if something's really weird, she'll seek to validate it. This is me validating something untrue with the truth. And I think that that's the answer. You may have to do it every waking second of your life. <laughs> but to seek to do that. And then you disrupt it. Um, I probably talked about this before, but I thought it was so powerful. Our, 
the the gateway to our mental body is through our physical body, which is why we go still when our mental body go, is awake and going and wilding, I guess, or menacing. Our our physical body then allots all of its energy to the mental body. Michael Jordan, uh, and I'm not saying that this is like a, a guru or a be all, but he did in one of his documentaries say he has an elastic band that he he keeps on his wrist, and when he notices that his thoughts start going into a place that's non-productive for him as an athlete, non-productive for him as a person, he'll take it and snap it. And that physical uh, sensation is enough to stop the mind from doing what it's doing. And I think that this is probably why there are, you know, those um, sort of uh, outlets for people that seek physical pain to stop the mental pain is that it actually does disrupt it. It maybe we don't want to get into that sort of serious stuff, but an elastic band around my wrist is something that I think about often. And I know that most girls usually wear the the beaded bracelets. Maybe that's what they're good for. <laughs> you would even get a jingle at the same time and uh, like that cool sensation of the beads hitting you. It's not going to be a painful experience, but it's going to be enough of an experience to stop the mind from taking you into places that aren't serving your heart. And and that's really, it's like almost like a pursuit of suffering, I think for me, is that uh, I want to stay in it to suffer because I feel like there's some part of me that needs to suffer. And um, the conscious self of me knows that that's just not true. And so that's what I've been doing is like trying to disrupt the thoughts as much as possible. Um, today, I'm going to move my body because I have not really moved it for the last two days. So I'm going to see what that feels like and... Yeah, that's where I'm at, if you have anything to add. No, I really like, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the, the self-monitoring, like the basically um, corresponding your, like what you're feeling with how your environment, your body, your, uh, what do we call this? Like this external part, yeah. like what's happening there that might actually... Um, trigger like they could trigger each other like basically they they are good feedback for one another I think I've only ever done it like the inner way like I've been like oh I'm feeling this so I'm doing that but I've never been like I'm doing this so I must be feeling this like I've never put it at the back so I like that um there's something else you said too that I really liked it uh oh uh the suffering I can also really relate to almost yeah the, the that there's like this comfort in suffering <laughs> And so familiarity sometimes yeah well I've always like equated it to it being like this nest mm -hmm. and it's very seductive and it's kind of like oh but you're so comfortable here like actually if you probably our listeners aren't this low brow but if you've ever seen the show um it's actually it's so good it's so crass so if you're easily offended don't watch it but it's called big mouth and um the way that they like characterize certain emotions and hormones and experiences it's it's actually in my opinion it's just genius but anyways there's de this depression kitty and <laughs> I'm like oh my god that's yeah that's it and she like a cat's you know how they come up and like they sit on your chest except for she's huge but there's like there is like there's like think about a weighted blanket like there's comfort in in some of that stuff so I do think we sometimes perpetuate our own discomfort because we are comfortable there like there is like a again that's another like kind of a a paradox, but, um, something I'm trying to remember, I, I learned, uh, I was at the Banff wellness retreat last weekend and I learned a bunch of like regulation things and I'm trying to remember to incorporate them in spaces where I become really elevated. But another one that someone reminded me of was you've heard of Mel Robbins, like five, four, three, two, one. Oh yes. Love her. Yeah. I've used that for sure. That one, someone explained, I had heard of it and then just like, you know, it fell out of my brain and then someone re like brought it to my attention. I can't remember who it, who it was, but they were like, yeah, Mel Robbins and five or three, one. And they explain how it like resets your, your brain basically. And I was like, okay, I need to think that. And then cross body movements. So if you have like right hand to left shoulder, left hand to right shoulder and tapping, there's something about that, that like stimulates the cross sections of the brain somehow. I don't yeah. know. 
Anyways, it synchronizes. Are- so it'll sink right and left hemisphere. Um, when we go into more of a depressive state, the frontal lobe, I believe, of the left side brain is hyperactive. And like the rotation of consciousness and yoga nidra um, is actually helps to relieve that by stimulating both sides of the brain. And so one of my morbid um, coping mechanisms, (laughs) uh, and this is like, if I am logicizing through, I, I do think I need to work on more physical practices, like the ones we've just stated, like the cross body thing, tapping, is that EMF? What's that called? Uh, yes, EMF, I think. And then um, I'm doing it with my hands, but nobody. I know. <laughs> um, but one of the things I do to, like, if I'm going to put it in my brain and kind of like go with it, is like, if I'm worried about something, um, is go, okay. So say I was worried about being humil- humiliated or isolated or whatever, like, whatever it is. I'm not saying, um, uh, trying to in, uh, impose those feelings, but just whatever I pick, whatever it is. And I go, okay, what's bad about that? What's the word? Like if you're humiliated, why, why is that bad? Well, it's embarrassing. Okay. Why is being embarrassed bad? Well, it makes me feel insecure. Okay. Why is being insecure bad? And I like keep asking until I get right down to this, like, and you get you might get stuck on a on a part like you're like well embarrassing the same thing as humiliating that's just an answer <laughs> you know just give it some time and keep coming back to it and what it does is it takes me down to this raw place where it goes yeah and that's okay like you're allowed to feel insecure sometimes like it's okay that you're in a situation and you feel insecure it's okay that you're in a situation and you get embarrassed it's okay that you're in a situation and you don't feel fully confident that's okay like you're you're gonna be okay you're still safe anyways like kind of like and you're still lovable anyways you're still valuable anyways like so sometimes I'll kind of like whittle it down that way, but I know that doesn't work for everybody because it's sometimes it's a, well, it can probably feel a little aggressive, right? Because I, I hit the hard parts, um, but it, it works really well for me. I'm kind of aggressive like that. So <laughs> I don't find it aggressive at all. I think it's really smart. I do a, um, like a, a, sort of something similar to that is that I'll, and I have done that with this and it did take me back to a core memory, but I always ask myself when I am feeling really acute, and this is not to say that we shouldn't feel this way because I think when we feel this way, which is why I'm not turning away from it, is that we're growing, that this isn't somewhere where we're comfortable. So it means that, um, in yoga, it's called samskara. It's like a riverbed of experiences that you've had in your whole life, which is if suffering has been the safer theme for you to be in, it's not been safe to be happy or joyful because that's hurt at the end, is it will constantly choose a state of suffering so that we avoid the pain that would come if you had something uh, extreme high. So that the samskara is where we're comfortable when we're uncomfortable, which is where I am in out of facilitator role, is where we're growing. And I, I do think that we um, we're meant to expand. We it's uh, it's our human nature it craves it, but our ego is so loud. We spend a lot of time um, still in our bodies, and like yoga has um, told us, we have to exhaust the body to uh, free the mind. And the practice that I'll do that's similar to Tanya's is I'll ask myself, when's the first time I can remember feeling this way? And it'll usually take me back to a very early memory. And I'm actually experiencing that memory and attaching what is going to happen to that memory. And you may say, yeah, Melanie, but it always happens. Like it, <laughs> it will recreate itself again. I, I'm not making this up. The power is real to magnetize. And with the heart's frequency buying into past experiences as future experiences, you are almost certain to recreate it, whether it's real or not. It will be perceived as the same sort of thing. So if we are living our lives 
unaware. So Tanya has her process where she's like, where, where is this taking me? Where is this taking me? And she goes deeper and deeper and deeper. She She's arriving to that at probably at the end, if she's not going to die, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's like, that's really where she's trying to take it to is that, okay, I am safe. Um, if we can arrive at, at the, at the outcome that is different from what we've experienced in the past, we have the opportunity to have a different future. But if we don't acknowledge what we're feeling, then we're going to unconsciously, subconsciously recreate that event over and over and over again. And, um, for me, uh, I'll share this with you because it's been coming up for me a lot. And I don't know how the two correlate. Um, but when I was in grade, hmm, I don't remember exactly, like I can remember um, the visual of it. it. was the last day of school and I was in, ooh, I'm getting emotional. Um, it was the last day of school. I believe I was in grade seven. And um, me and my best friend had had a falling out basically long story short, I was a dick. And, um, she had started hanging out with people that I didn't think were good. And so my righteous little self was like, we can't be friends. And that really hurt her. Uh, and for obvious reasons. And so then I had shunned her. And at the end of the year, I was walking downtown and I was by myself, all by myself. And uh, all of a sudden I was surrounded, swarmed by swarmed by my peers and people that I had thought were my friends. And all I can remember is them being like, fight her, fight her. And they wanted me and my best friend to fight. And there was just no way. And those of you who don't know me, I'm a fighter. <laughs> so this would have been nothing new for me. It wasn't the fact that they wanted me to fight. Um, it was her. And that I had thought that all those people were my friends. And they just turned on me. And it was like being surrounded. It was being surrounded. And so I had uh, ran away and went to my friend's house. And I tried to call. I tried to call my brother who was older than me and I knew he would come, but I couldn't get a hold of him. And even my friend and her older sister uh, wouldn't help me. I just like felt so incredibly alone. And obviously this like, this is nothing similar on any sort of level where it's not like, but it's that circle, right? And not feeling in control. So the symbol is stored and locked in my mind. And it feels like an unsafe space if I don't have control, which I did not have control. I could have never seen that coming. And so that story ended, I didn't get beat up or I didn't have to fight, but it just like, it was like, no matter I tried calling all my brother's friends and it was the last day of school and we didn't have cell phones then. Um, so I was like completely alone. And even the, the safe house that I went to, and I think that this is why I have such a backbone when it comes to loyalty for friends is I would never do that. <laughs> like it, it, like it, uh, created like a, a, a golden seam in me that, repaired itself is that I would never leave someone like that. And I would never stand by and watch people swarm another person in that way. And sorry, this got really deep. <laughs> um, and I did not anticipate this bubbling up. I, I felt it and I was like, no, nah, it's not really shareable. Um, but uh, yeah, so even something as innocent as a women's gathering where we go and paint our faces and wear our um, most sacred clothing can trigger a trauma like this that, that can come up. So now that I've spoken about it, because um, I hadn't, uh, me and my partner, he had the same experience happen to him. And we have had 
so many conversations about how traumatic that is. And uh, I thought that it was done. (laughs) I actually didn't realize like till this moment where I said it's the symbol of the circle. That's my first awareness that that is what it is. And I feel like you could probably hear it in my voice. And Tanya can see that my my face has stopped sweating. (laughs) Um, Is that I feel almost better right now. And it's just like we do have to do that deeper work. It's not aggressive. I feel like it's necessary to avoid the suffering. I feel like that, like even you sharing that story contextualizes your fear and those feelings in a way that makes so much sense. Like even maybe gives you... um or like the holder of that type of experience, the ability or the context or the backstory or the whatever to have more self-compassion for like, basically like you might have been, I'm not, and I don't want to impose this on you, but maybe you've been spending the last couple of days being like, why am I so scared of this? This is a silly fear. This is like kind of like trying to push it off. But you telling that story is like you were in an authentically unsafe, very threatening, very scary situation that was very traumatic. And now it's sort of like that environment is being recreated. No, it's not the same events. And, and yes, logically we can conclude that the same things aren't going to happen, but that's not how trauma gets stored anyway. So essentially you are getting like a trauma trigger and knowing that you are getting a trauma trigger will hopefully allow you to have more self-compassion in the validity of that fear. Like, so instead of saying this fear doesn't make sense, or I shouldn't be scared, or I know nothing bad's going to happen to me, it can go back and go, hey, yeah, it makes sense that you're scared. I'm sorry you feel scared. I'm sorry that that happened to you. That shouldn't have happened to you. That's not fair that that happened. Or, you know, being able to like hold space for your fear and allow it to exist even when it doesn't make sense. Or, you know, I put that in air quotes, right? Yeah. And for me, it's um, the full circle moment just happened. And even by thinking that I was offering a solution, I got witnessed in my solution. And I feel safe. And it is like, we could look at at the digging as minimizing like, okay, um, I'm acknowledging that my breath is caught, my body is still, my mind is awake. What's going on there? And you may not always get to like this profound, because I've been doing this work a while, And it wasn't until, and this is my medicine, when I share it out loud with others. So I've been moving through this internally this whole time, trying to come up with the answer that I just got by sharing it with you. And so if you notice how your medicine comes, and maybe it's journaling, because Tanya had a life, life life happening this morning. So I had a few moments before she arrived. And I'm journaling. And I literally start by saying, why the fuck am I so afraid of doing or being different. (laughs) That's the very opener of my journal. Did I come to anything that was substantial? No, I didn't. My medicine is my voice. And I know that in my work and I know that in my healing. And this just confirmed it here is that we all have a path and it may be writing because I do think that, um, you know, Tanya, you heal a lot through your writing. And that could be your medicine. Mine is speaking my truth. I don't think I could have compared the two. Like I knew it kept coming up and I was wondering why it was coming up. But when we're in our conscious state, we're so distracted, so um, disassociated that it can just seem like uh, a nuisance almost. If we slow down and for me speak out loud and I'm going, here I am, I'm like, here I am to offer you guys some solutions. And then all of a sudden my own healing comes pouring out. So that's just, even that in itself is what is your medicine? Uh, I can think of speaking and writing right now. I don't know any other ones. My brain is still going. I wow. Holy shit. I, I feel like, Okay whatever, let's just do a cheesy analogy. What's the wound and what's the medicine is going to vary not only person to person, but it's going to vary circumstantially, situationally. Like, 
Um, if I, you know, I'm not going to treat a broken foot with antibiotics. So I'm going to have to put it in a boot or a cast or something. Um, so I feel like we can, it's, it's the perfect reason to come up with like many, many, many various things that we can do in various situations and circumstances because there isn't ever going to be one answer because sometimes the answer is going to be scrolling on your phone and I know that a million people are arguing with me on that but I'm like it's a form of healing is it the best no <laughs> but sometimes a little disassociation is just like it's it's a process or a part of the process mm. um just like eating chocolate it's like you know things that can can be destructive uh this is my i guess uh, be my other analogy is every substance on this planet is toxic water can kill you at the right volume so water can also be healing so i feel like every coping mechanism is this is a similar uh similar type of situation but um, offhand, I would say, you know, like you even said to movement, you're going to do movement today would be yeah. like another, another really good one. I do think talking is a huge medicine. I think that's why, especially as, um, as I was going to say as women, but I, I want to like leave that open for those who identify in other uh, realms of uh, non-binary and trans and everything, but even um, men. Like and poor well, yeah, men exactly. have had their voices stolen. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, but uh, I do think that that's why we seek each other out and we, you know, vent or we, and it's the mm. same reason um, I'm trying to hold space for myself and for others. When we, when someone's telling me what maybe sounds like a petty feud between friends or whatever, but understanding that there, but there is a medicine there and just like venting and getting out of your system. Like if you're perpetuating it and telling anyone that'll listen, you know, your drama, okay, maybe, yeah, you're falling into a bit of martyrdom there. But if, you know, sometimes we do just need to like off let some of that steam in order to be more productive that would be kind of the phone analogy for me too like venting can be constructive and it can also be destructive so um but reading can be really big um i really like listening to podcasts how convenient and mm -hmm. audiobooks and um cleaning is very therapeutic for me <laughs> yeah i i do that too so um, uh, I mean, again, with, 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 uh, I was gonna say, you know, there's retail therapy. Mm, it's again, not your best one, not your worst one. It's, <laughs> I think there are numerous, um, sides to disassociation. And I think that disassociation serves us in this way. Time is that if you, it's not the right time. Um, but you do keep needing to check in and and say like, is this going on a long time? Am I, is this becoming more of my personality than it is uh, a coping mechanism? Because disassociation serves to make space for the brain to be able to really absorb what it is. Maybe it's not there to process at that time. Another thing that helps us process is sleep. And, you know, I've had such a hard time sleeping for the last week I've been maybe getting four or five hours a night and it is that uh, like the undulations that are happening in the deep ocean floor is stirring up and not allowing me to sleep because when we go into our deeper sleep is when we're processing and I obviously was not ready to process until this moment and I can say for certainty that if I have a good ear, which thank you, spiritual boss listeners for holding space for me <laughs> and Tanya. Um, if I have a good ear, I always, always, always have a realization. If I, if the person gives me the floor and allows me to guide myself, they don't even have to say anything, but like nod and a few things. It's just like being... Um, there's an example of consciousness and like how, how the human and spirit works is uh, a boy and his horse. Uh, the boy is taking the horse for a ride and he goes so far that he doesn't know where he is anymore. He becomes completely lost. Spirit source is the horse. Eventually he has to give up and say that he no longer knows the way and he eventually has to drop the reins. 
And they say first he drops the reins a little, but the horse is still aware that he has the reins, so he doesn't move too far. Then the boy surrenders, drops the reins completely, and gives the horse the space he needs to do what he knows. And the horse will move a little bit, but always wait for a cue from the rider. And then once it receives enough confirmation that it won't be instructed anymore, it begins to make his way back home. And for me, that's that's what my voice does. That's what talking does is I feel like that's the horse. It's a Palomino. Uh, that's the horse that leads me to my truth always. And I cannot believe that I did not think of that. <laughs> I'm going to have to write this down. Next time you're doing this like loop, um, this loop of suffering, talk about it. Because I don't know why I was suffering internally. And again, I think because it's familiar. Like I can do this alone. I have to do this alone. No one can help me. Um, there's a lot of like childhood wounds there around that. So yeah, my horse guided me here. I think this is a good place to leave off on. Yeah. I like that. Additional parting thoughts. Mm. No, I think I've done enough. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Spiritual Boss Podcast. We are so grateful to have you as listeners. Uh, I'm going to share a really quick funny story uh, because at the end, I always say, hey, we love hearing your feedback and your input and all that stuff. And I had a um, someone contact me and they're like, I don't, I don't know how to give you feedback. Like, how do we do that? I was like, you have given us feedback because <laughs> you've messaged us and you've said you enjoy a podcast or you respond and you, that is the feedback. So there's like no formal place to enter your feedback, just getting in touch with us and having a conversation, uh, which you can do either uh, email spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can message us on Facebook, which is at spiritualbosspodcast or Facebook. I think we're on Facebook too, but Instagram's better. Uh, and then each of our individual accounts, you can just message us. If you've listened to the episode and you just want to get in touch with us, just send a DM. And we also accept any, if you have an alternate opinion, if you have episode ideas, if you have anything, we're, we're just super interested to hear from you and really, really appreciate it. Um, have a wonderful day, night, afternoon, be safe, make good choices, peace in, peace out.